<laughs> we got some woo woo wooing going on over here. Man, that's that's so good, man. You can I can sense the spirit of the Lord just breaking hell wide open. And that's really where I want to start today. I've been praying hard about this message. About God, what God wants to say. Michael, I can't believe that we sang that song. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. It's just amazing that we're doing that. I never have seen an unleashing of hell like I've seen unleashed on our nation. Like I sense and know is happening right now. There's an incredible battle being waged in the spiritual realm that is absolutely divisive and hellish. And it's imperative as believers that we aren't asleep. And the only way that we can protect ourselves is to know the Word of God so that we can discern what is good and what is righteous. Because Isaiah prophesied that there will be a time that comes when men will call what is good evil and what is evil good. And there's going to be this, this war for your thoughts, your, your thinking. We've been over the last weeks just really talking uh, so much about this whole posture and this whole understanding of what's going on and I think you can see it uh, like never before so there's a warning I want to give you this morning and that is be aware be on guard and one of the things I want you to be on guard about is the idea that it's like God to invite other gods into his mix That as a nation, we should invite other gods in because that's good. There's nowhere in Scripture where you can find a commingling of gods with Yahweh where he was pleased. Matter of fact, one of the most anointed places in Israel is Mount Carmel where Elijah slayed the prophets of Baal. And it overlooks Armageddon. You might not know this, but it, the, the, the largest valley I have ever seen, and, and the Shenandoah Valley is a big valley. Maybe you've seen it driving up 81. But Armageddon is the largest battle. Napoleon said about that valley, this is the perfect place for war. And, and Elijah prophetically slayed the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, overlooking the place where the last battle is going to occur, where once and for all, all other gods, little g, will be destroyed forever and ever, and we will serve and worship and glorify the one true God whose name is Jesus Christ, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. 
Amen? And so we live in a, in, a, in a midst of turmoil and confusion and tremendous anger. And so I just wanted to talk to us a little bit about posturing yourself. Most of you know that I'm not very political. I, 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 just, I'm not, I just don't like the process. I, I mean, I love the process of our nation. What I'm saying by that is, I just don't get caught up in it much. I'm not really a staunch anything. I'm a staunch kingdom person. You know, I just, I just want the kingdom of God. If God says that I want it, I, I don't care what you hang, where you hang your hat. All I, all I care about is whether the kingdom of God has the possibility of restoring our nation. If it just has a possibility of restoring it. And so I'm not real keen on really any of the political climate that we've got going on. I know one politician very well. His name is Tim Scott. I'm a really good friend. If you ask him who Alex Barefoot is, he'd be able to tell you about my history. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty close. He's an incredible guy. So I've only really known one politician well enough that I can vouch for his character. So I don't know. I don't know the character of our new president. I don't know. And I don't know what, what you voted. I know there, 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 are, there, there are every type of political uh, component in, in the congregation today, and, and this is going to hear me on, on, on the web. But that doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is no matter how you stand, no matter what your value system is, is that as the church, that you never call what is evil good and what is good evil. You've got to make sure that you know the word enough where you can line yourself up with kingdom thinking. Now, the problem with that particular statement is there are people in Christendom on all, all over the place. There are even Christians who say we ought to let other religions influence us in this nation because that's good. I don't think you can back that up in Scripture at all, ever. So I hope that we can agree that we live in times that are confusing, that are pretty much disunified, and, and have the possibility to be extremely divisive. And so I want to answer the question, how is a Christian supposed to deal with all that? What are we supposed to be doing? I think there are three things that we've really got to do well. The first one is that we've got to make sure that love is our motivation, that everything that you do has to be motivated out of love. No matter how somebody disagrees or what they disagree on, no matter how, um, how anti-Christ it might be, your motivation still needs to be love. It needs to be love. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to read 
through 21. I think you're going to have it on your screen as well. This is from the New Living Translation. It says here, don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. But love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. This gives us all kinds of things. I could preach on this and stop. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Somebody say, keep on praying. Be patient, be confident, and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Say that with me. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good. So when I read this passage of Scripture, and then I see the, 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 the turmoil in which we're living in the name of God, it bugs me because it is. It, I don't see this scripture being accurate. So, so what should we do? If that's not what we do, what should we do? Now, this is what I want to uh, present to you today. I want you to do what you want done to you. Oftentimes, and, and I was reminded that uh, Eric Little taught on this a couple of years ago, this morning, but oftentimes when we hear the saying or the scripture that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, we think of it as uh, in the negative, but that actually means, because it's got unto, <laughs> it actually means do to Somebody else, won't you, what you want done to you. And what I see happening that the church can't do if we want health and healing is we can't respond with hate and divisiveness and slander and evil speaking about even failures of people. We don't need to proclaim them from the rooftops. Our job is to bless them. We cannot respond in like manner in which they're responding and, and be known as children of God. 
We have to do to them what we want them to do to us. So we need to make sure that that is our posture. So we need to let love bear motivation, and we need to do to them what we want done. Let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 31 through 38. Now, I've read this in the message, or written it, if we've got it. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back from God? Run-of-the-mill sinners love those who love them. If you, only love, if, if, if you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? <laughs> Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, you be kind. Don't pick on people, don't jump on their failures, don't criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down that hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life giving back. But not getting, merely giving back. Giving back with a bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. And so we're to love and let that be our motivation. We're to practice toward them what we want them to practice toward us. And lastly, we've got to really believe that the weapon of our warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And that comes with prayer. We really need to believe that the church can make a difference in our nation if we are, if we are relegated and, and subject ourselves to the idea that prayer actually is going to be our best offensive weapon that we can actually use to defeat what we see in our country. I hear so many people, and you've heard me say it before, who are on a stump, sometimes even a Trump stump, <laughs> believing that somehow a man can actually do something outside of the anointing and blessing of God. Nebuchadnezzar was eating grass in a pasture. And God raised him up and prophesied through him the truth of the word of God. Pharaoh was beating and enslaving a whole race. And God softened his heart enough to release the people of Israel and establish his nation. God is able to raise up and tear down 
a nation with the spoken word. And us as a church have to realize that it is our God, the one true God, who is able to heal a nation. That's why it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, that, that I'll hear and I'll begin to heal their land. I'll begin to comfort them and to bless them again. And let me just tell you, if Eddie Pascone called me up the other day, pumped up. He, this is what he said. He said, they've been listening. All these people praying, been listening. <laughs> See, he says, they're praying the same thing you pray. Listen, the reason that's not accolades, that's saying, if you'll listen, this is for you. If you will listen, God will give you what he's doing because he wants you praying it. And we have been praying it. We prayed Matthew chapter 5. Do you remember that? Just a few weeks ago. But that was prayed in this prayer. We, we, we've talked so much about, about this particular topic lately. Now what we've got to do is actually pray because all these, all these folks that I talk to, they, they've got this, they're passionate and they're, and they're angry and they're aggressive and all this stuff. And you ask them as a child of God, how much time are you on your knees before the Lord who could actually do anything? And they, don't, they go, oh, well, not much. So you're putting your hope in a man. It's not going to happen. The hope still lies in the church, and the church has to be on its face before God for a nation to be moved. And let me just tell you what I saw. I saw, an, you might not like this, but there's an anointing on this inauguration. The reason being is, is the prayers. For the first time, they are they, if you've seen the media, they're coming against Franklin Graham. They are, they are firing at him, telling that he's a bigot. He, he, he's, a, uh, he's, a, he's got a sect going on, that he, that he uh, is intolerant, that he, he's all these things. They're just, there's attack after attack after attack. Why? Because he proclaimed that there is one true God and mediator between man and the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. And it's the first time it's been done in an inauguration in many, many, many years. It's the first time. So this is what I'm saying. I don't care who's sitting in the seat. We invited Jesus. You know what I mean? We invited Jesus. We said, Lord, you're Lord, you're God. No matter who's in there, because you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the God of gods. Amen? Let's watch them. Now, if you want to join them verbally, out loud, if you want to say, yes, Lord, to everything they said. Listen, I, I was standing in this back room mounting a children's television when this was going on. And I was shouting and crying and agreeing because I believe that we can 
move the kingdom forward in agreement. If two or more agree in my name on earth, it'll be done as it is in heaven. Amen? Let's watch and pray. Don't just watch. Let's pray. Be vocal. This particular one is a Catholic, and he's reading from a book. The prayer of King Solomon from the the Book Book of of Wisdom. Wisdom. Let us pray. It's still theologically accurate. God of our ancestors and Lord of mercy, you have made all things, and in your providence have charged us to rule the creatures produced by you, to govern the world in holiness and righteousness and to render judgment with integrity of heart. Give us wisdom, for we are your servants, weak and short-lived, lacking in comprehension of judgment and of laws. Indeed, though one might be perfect among mortals, if wisdom which comes from you be lacking, we count for nothing. Now with you is wisdom, who knows your will and was there when you made the world, who understands what is pleasing in your eyes, what is conformable with your commands. Send her forth from your holy heavens, from your glorious throne dispatch her, that she may be with us and work with us, that we may grasp what is pleasing to you. For she knows and understands all things, and will guide us prudently in our affairs and safeguard us by her glory. Amen. Amen. She being wisdom. From the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. He blesses those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. For you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Yes. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on its stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, that everyone will praise your heavenly Father, respectfully in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to you, heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, with grateful hearts, thanking you for this great country that you have decreed to your people We acknowledge we are a blessed nation with a rich history of faith and fortitude. 
with a future that is filled with promise and purpose. We recognize that every good and every perfect gift comes from you, and the United States of America is your gift, for which we proclaim our gratitude. As a nation, we now pray for our President, Donald John Trump, Vice President Michael Richard Pence, and their families. We ask that you would bestow upon our President the wisdom necessary to lead this great nation, the grace to unify us, and the strength to stand for what is honorable and right in your sight. In Proverbs 21.1, you instruct us that our leader's heart is in your hands. Gracious God, reveal unto our president the ability to know the will, your will, the confidence to lead us in justice and righteousness, and the compassion to yield to our better angels. While we know there are many challenges before us, in every generation you have provided the strength and power to become that blessed nation. Guide us in discernment, Lord, and give us that strength to persevere and thrive. Now bind and heal our wounds and divisions and join our nation to your purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The psalmist declared, let your favor be upon this one nation under God. Let these United States of America be that beacon of hope to all people and nations under your dominion, a true hope for humankind. Glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. President, in the Bible, rain is a sign of God's blessing. And it started to rain, Mr. President, when you came to the platform. And it's my prayer that God will bless you, your family, your administration, and may he bless America. The passage of Scripture comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Heaven is open. No matter who's there, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You see it? Don't go to sleep.
It's just the open door. For what? For prayers and intercessions and warfare. And if you think that all hell isn't going to break loose, There's going to be an outpouring, a great tribulation of hell and the forces of hell that come against us, that come against this nation. You better know the word. You better pray the word. You better pray in the spirit. And you better pray without ceasing. And your needs need to get calluses. And need to change your lifestyle because God, and I said this before I even knew any of this, before we saw this, I told you, and I believed it, and I still believe it with all my heart. It's, you can see it if you have eyes to see. There is a window of opportunity for the church to change the culture of a nation. And the question is, we are the church. Are we going to do it? How do you do it? You love. How do you do it? You do to them as you want done to you. And you believe that prayer actually changes things. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray that we do our part. God, I pray for protection for your church. I pray, God, that we, your church, and the church in this nation and around the world would no longer be lulled to sleep I pray, Lord God, that we would be aware of your word and not scared to stand upon it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would begin to move out in a capacity that could change the environment, that could bring the kingdom to, to heaven. Lord, you say, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven until all hellish forces are defeated forever and ever and ever. And I pray, Lord God, that your church would be caught doing exactly what you would have them do. May we, oh God, not shrink back, never fear, even unto death, to proclaim the kingdom of heaven in your glory. Let that be. Let that be. In Jesus' name. Amen.